The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... Man Power Trip of Wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today, a very special guest, former three-time WWE World Tag Team Champion, two-time Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion, Mr. Charlie Haas. Charlie, welcome to the Two-Man Power Trip. How you doing? Uh, thanks, John. I appreciate it. How are you today? Doing good. So what's going on in your world? What have you been up to? Man, you know, I am uh, uh, I'm getting ready to kick off my uh, Haas of Pain tour. I've been, um, I was a... a I debuted for Impact about um, – I wrestled for them first time ever. Uh, debuted t- last week and um, against Josh Hamilton. And um, because of that, and I'm very grateful for that opportunity, um, I'm able to get my name back out there. So I'm getting booked up like crazy. I'm going to be all over the United States wrestling. And, um, and I'm excited for this part of my life. Um, you know, I got myself back in shape. Also wrestling in the SW World Heavyweight Champion, um, which is – in, which has been bought by World Class, um, so it is. Uh, it, right now, we're in a great storyline that with that product, and um, so you know we're running shows there every week. I'm also getting ready to launch my uh, pro wrestling school. Um, that's going to be opening up. Um, we're going to open up March first, but we're going to look at the uh, the hard opening, like a grand opening for uh, right that WrestleMania week here in Dallas. So nice. And where's it going to be exactly? It's going to be in Dallas right. area. It's, it's going to be in Irving, Texas, Dallas area. Um, it's going to be right out. It's going to be we're running it right out of um, uh, a place called Southern Junction. So, uh, you know, met with the owner. We locked everything in place. So I'm looking forward to it, man. This is my uh, wrestling school. I'm going to work with individuals as well, but I'm really going to concentrate on tag team wrestling and, you know, and work with tag teams uh, because I, I definitely believe it's a, it's a lost art. Um, I think that, man, you know, tag teams at one time can main event and and draw big money. And I think we can do it again. Um, you know, there's just, it's just missing a few, uh, things. And one of the big things is the Hills just need to learn how to wrestle as Hills. They have to quit worrying about all the moves and having to, you know, have fancy double team moves and, you know, and, um, they they don't need to do outperform the, uh, the baby faces, let the baby faces get all the, you know, you know, you got to shine to make them look good. And the Hills, you just don't give the fans what they want. And that's what's missing, man, you know. So um, I really want to work with it. Uh, I just want to pass down what Arne Anderson was able to – and Jerry Briscoe were able to teach me and my brother plus what they taught Shelton and I. And, you know, I just have a lot of knowledge of that. 
Why do you think that's a lost art, though, tag wrestling? Like, why did that kind of go by the wayside? At one point, it was you know, key cog in the wheel at that point. Yeah, um, I just think, uh, you know, WWE became the um, – they monopolized the wrestling. You know, they bought everything. And Vince didn't like tag team wrestling, so he kind of just pushed it to a side. He just looked at it as a means of, all right, if we have two main top guys and we're not doing anything with them, let's just put them in a tag team, you know, or – and he always looked at tag teams from what I was told as an added expense. You know, it's an extra guy on the road, extra guy you got to pay for a room and the food, like when you're overseas. So, you know, he really never liked it. Um, he didn't believe in the two men bumping for one guy on a hot tag. He thought she'd go back to one, just one man bumping. Um, you know, it just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't broke. So I try to fix it and you try to fix something that's not broken and it just, no one cares. Like they, they it didn't mean anything to, you know, to, and, it, it was unfortunate because, you know, tag team wrestling, like you said, dude, it, it, I mean, it could draw big money and it, man, it, it would bring, it's a, it's a different type of wrestling. It's a different style. Um, you know, you have to have a team that's exceptional as a heel team and you have to have a hit team that's exceptional as a face team. And, and then you got to be able to have the chemistry between the both and you got to have a really good referee and you got to take care of the ref and make sure you don't, you don't, you know, you, by any means you do not want to, um, burn the ref and what i mean by that is like you, you just don't want to um you don't want to get him seeing what what's being done behind his back you know you don't want to you want to use him as the law and order in there you got to make sure that you know you push it to the five count but you don't want to go over the five count all the time you know and if he doesn't dq you um and then i mean it really is pointless so you really have to um you know you got to protect the ref and you got to have two teams that are willing to work together and that aren't that are going to be selfless you know and what i mean by that is that you know the faces are going to be like hey man we're gonna we're gonna shine for you and we're gonna sell for you and the hills have to be like look we're, we're gonna shine you up we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make you in the beginning we're gonna shine you up and he goes but then we're gonna take you we're gonna make you work from underneath when I, and when you work from underneath you know you're gonna have to really fight for it so when you make that tag it means something the crowd feels it um, and then we're going to pop like popcorn, you know, it's, it's just, it's basic psychology, but I really feel that the Hill tag teams today, they just, they want to be, they want to have better double team moves than the babyface tag teams. They want to get all their shit in. I mean, and that's the thing, man. Um, you just don't, man, you, you just got to realize like, here's what I tell everybody. When I, when I look at tag teams, my top tag team of all time is Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard or Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson. And I'll sit there and I'll say, can you name one double tag team move that they ever did? That would just name one double tag team move. And they'll say no. And I'm like, exactly. And, that, and they're still the greatest because they work body parts. They work the psychology. They work behind the, the ref's back. They made the baby faces. They made them fight from underneath. And when it, when it was time to go, they pop like popcorn. I mean, it's just, it is, and that's what's lost right there and there, you know. And they were true heels that wanted to be heels. You know, I mean, they wanted yeah. to get booed. They don't want to sell merch and do it, all this uh, stuff. I mean, no. true, true blue, big time heels. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. Is like, you know, I'm a heel, and what I do now is I don't sign autographs. I won't sell merch. If I sell merch, I'll have my kids are at the table selling it, or whoever the promoter is that they want to they want to put out the shirts and all that. They can sell it. They'll give me, you know, my cut or whatever, but I, I'm not out there selling it. I, I hate, I hate seeing, and I know it's a way for people to make money, but if you want this to work, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. I have come to, I, I am making more money off merch and I'm not sitting at the table. Like out of sight, out of mind, people were like, hey, we need, we want his autograph. 
And my kids will come to me, hey, man, they'll pay like 25, 35 bucks for your autograph. Like, outside, out of mind, they want your picture. To, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not coming out there. Like, and now, and people want it even more when you're not there. And, you know, back in the day, it used to be the Heels never sold merch. They got, they got, I want to say they got 20% of whatever the baby faces made with whoever they were married to. And what I mean by married to is whatever, whatever program they were working with that person. So if I like, say, say the four horse or, you know, say the brain busters or, you know, Arn and Tolly are working with the rock and roll express, rock and roll express making all the money, 20% of what they were making was going to the Hills, you know, I mean that's the way it used to work. Um, so I, I really hate to see when you're out there baby facing the crowd, you know, um, you know, Hey man, right before a show, Hey man, let me sign an autograph or let me, uh, you know, you're doing everything you can, you're baby facing them to get their money. But then when you're in the ring and about 20 minutes later, tell them to F off. It just doesn't, I hate that, man. And I, I used to do that and I'm just like, I didn't feel it in my heart. I'm like, man, I'm trying to be a heel, but I'm, you know, I, you know, you're taking pictures. Like I hated it. So I just go full mode in, man. I don't, I won't sign. I won't do anything. I haven't signed or done a, you know, an autograph signing or anything like in two years or refused to. Um, I think there's a time and place for that, you know, like maybe WrestleMania weekend, you know, but you know, that way, you know, you're, you're not watered down, you know, it's just, uh, it just, it is what it is. But, um, I, I, that's what, you know, I just, I hate seeing Hills try, you know, to be a baby face to sell their merch and, and I get it. They, they want to make money and they can, maybe if they're in there for one time, but you know, it's, it's tough, dude, you know, it's, um, you know, um, I think, you know, with the social media now, you can make money off pro wrestling tees. You can do it off eight by tens. Um, you know, I think Matt Cardona has proved that very, you know, he's the master of it. So I think there's other ways to make money than just having to sell merch at the wrestling uh, shows. And that's another lost art. Like the heel doesn't want to really be the heel there. Yeah. I feel like in wrestling in general, there's not many heels that are actual heels. No, I, I do a hundred percent. They want to be cool heels. Like, I like I have turned my persona to where I'm just like, I mean I'm I'm just a, a complete asshole man in the ring. Like I, I don't care. I'll tell people that it's gotten so bad to where people follow my kids to like my kids will be out in the crowd. I got to get to where now I can't sit out in the crowd anymore. Like they'll follow the kids to the bathroom. Your dad's an asshole. Your dad's an asshole. Like you know. So I know I'm doing my job. Well, um, I got people throwing food at me. I got people you know. I, I, oh, I mean everything just. You know, um, which is fine because that's what I want to be. I mean, I'm doing my job. I, in fact, I've been punched. I got hit by a fan. I mean, it is what it is. But hey, you know, you're doing your job. You know, so I remember seeing that. I was talking to Kevin Sullivan about it. I said, "What the hell happened?" He said, "I don't know. Some fan just ran after him and hit him." So yeah, I did, and thank God for Kevin Sullivan, man. He is, man. He has really helped me be with the silver persona, man. And he's like, do what you, you know, you just got to stay ahead of the crowd. You know, he goes, he goes, I can feel them trying to turn you. He goes, just don't let them, you know, I'm like, yeah. so you just got to come up with ways to not let them do that. It's like, I think a lot of guys don't want to be the heel. They want to be like, you said, like that cool heel. Like I see it on TV all the time too, where these guys, I'm like, are we supposed to be cheering them or booing them? It's like, you, you got to pick a direction here. I, I always see that too much. Yeah, I do too. You know, um, you know, I, I do a hundred percent, you know, so it, um, but, it, you know, it, which is good because if you know how to be a hill and you don't give them what they want, then you got a long career in it because like you said, there's not that many good hills right now. Yep. So how did you get started with impact? Like, did they reach out to you, Scott Demore? Cause I know obviously you mentioned Josh Alexander for in that match, but how did that all come to fruition? Um, uh, Tommy dreamer saw me, um, you know, when I was when I was start when I just became the SW Heavyweight Champion, I was traveling around defending that title, and he's like, "Hey, you look great. You're back at it." You know, um, 
and, and he put a good word in for me. And then D'Lo Brown, you know, I guess Tommy's kind of take a step back and D'Lo's kind of working, bringing in new talent. So um, D'Lo reached out to me. I said, yeah, sure, I'd like to come in. So they were in Dallas, and I was able to come in. I hope when they come back to Dallas, I can work with them again. Um, you know, so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, I'm like, I was very fortunate. I thank them for everything. Uh, Scott DeMore, you know, D'Lo. Gil Kim um, and, and Dreamer, man, stand-up people. And um, I, I, I thank them for giving me a shot, man. Do you think that with Impact, do you think that that uh, – not well-run company or anything, but do you think that they're headed in the right direction? Because at one point, you know, they're so high up on, on the, the food chain. Now they're, you know, much less of an audience. What do you think about Impact, just the current situation? Well, I think um, – I mean, I'll tell you what. I mean, the, the, produ- the, pro- the production – and backstage, I mean, it's it, it looks. I mean, I, it was like when I was walking through um, the parking lot, getting into the back where like all the the media trucks are and all the um, television trucks. I mean, you felt like you're walking into like WWE backstage. I mean, they have you know they have it, it's it's a first class production you know um, company that that's putting everything together that's splicing it all together. Um, and you know, I, I was I, was, I kind of stood in why the uh, the booking meeting was going on. Um, you know, Jimmy Jacobs is there to hell of a job, you know, with his, with, I mean, he's got a great mind for the business. Always like Jimmy, um, really good, really good guy. He's doing a hell of a job there. Um, and uh, you know, Rhino's there, they got some great agents, but, um, I think they're in the right direction. I mean, I, here, here's, I think it's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan right now and a pro wrestler. There are so many different platforms, uh, to wrestle on right now. Um, if you go to Pluto TV, and you, and you type in like Fight Network or Fight TV. I mean, then you can pull up PCW Ultra. You pull up um, AAA. You pull up Ring of Honor. You can pull up Impact. You pull up. Uh, uh, there's a promotion out of England. You know, that's just it's in a bar. You know, it's like there's so many different places that you see MLW. Um, you know, and then of course you got AEW and WWE. But I mean, I look at it as almost like territory days now. You know, SW has their YouTube TV. Uh, Reality of Wrestling has YouTube. Uh, YouTube TV. Um, you know, it's just you get you got some great GCW does the pay per views. They're they're killing it. So I mean, I think you know the fans saw WWE for so long, and finally there's other play, you know because of the uh, pandemic, and it was unfortunate that it hit. But because of it, people started cutting the cord and they started going to internet TV. And I never thought it would work, but it did. Internet TV is killing it, and that's where. All these, you know, they want content like Pluto and Pult and uh, Plex and Crackle. They need content and they're looking for content. And dude, pro wrestling, you know, if you have a good product and you have it, it's being produced right, you know, Fight TV, Fight Network does a really good job with a lot of promotions. Um, then, you know, you you have a shot to get it on there. And then, I mean, you can make some money. I mean, you can make a living as a wrestler. Maybe not make millions or you know, but you can make a living. And you can, like I said earlier, I look at it as the territories. You can go from. One one company learn the craft from there. Each company is different. They got their own style. You know, learn that style. Go to the next one. Go to that style. Go to that style. You know, maybe in seven eight years, if you start when you're twenty, by the time you're thirty, man, you're up at AWWB making millions. You know, like how AJ Styles and uh, Samoa Joe did. You know, uh, you know they they learned their craft. They kept their name. They made themselves undeniable, and they went in there with their name, and they're, and they're killing it. You know. So with you, though, just in general, I know wrestling right now is popular, but years back when you first got into it, I feel like that was a pretty damn good time to be a wrestling fan or a damn good period of wrestling. You were mentioning to me off air, Iron Mike Sharp got you in and you were training in Asbury right. Park. It's pretty awesome. Correct. Yeah, I was training down there. 
Yeah, you know, WWF guy, big guy, very solid worker. Um, and I was talking with Jerry Briscoe and John, and John Bradshaw about that when they broke me in. And Jerry's like, dude, Iron Mike was a very technical, very sound guy. Like, if you came from his school, like, you knew you were trained, um, you know, properly. And he, he's a great, he was a great human being, man, a uh, really good guy. Um, and it was in Asbury Park, you know, it's, it's uh, right down, it was, used to be, it was a boxing gym and wrestling gym. And it was right there on the boardwalk in, uh, in Asbury Park, right there. Um, and I remember my brother and I went down there for about 10 months. We went through his school, you know, and he would work with us in the ring. And at that time, that's when um, ECW was exploding all over the place. And a lot of guys that came from Iron Mike's that are maybe they, maybe they came from the Monster Monster Factory, of, you know, down there, Larry Sharp, or they would sometimes cross over and work out at Iron Mike. Because Iron Mike was very reasonable. It was like $100 down, $20 a week, you know. So, I mean, you couldn't beat that at all. You couldn't beat that. Um, so you, you were able to, um, man, I, you were, you were able to, um, man, you, you were, you were just able to, uh, to go in there and learn your craft and, you know, and you didn't have to come up with all this money up front. And a lot of people would, you know, would just bail on them after they, th they thought they knew how to wrestle. And I stuck in there for the full 10 months and, uh, I was glad I did. And my brother and I did. And, um, like I said, so ECW was taken off and then you had the Monday night wars at the same time. Um, and Ring of Honor wasn't in yet, but Jersey All Pro and CZW was really, they were up and coming. So my brother and I were wrestling there, going back and forth from like Philly or, you know, South Jersey to North Jersey. You know, uh, we held both tags, tag titles. So, uh, you know, we were, um, we were, we were all over the independence for about five years before we signed with WWE. ECWA also. I mean, yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got, yeah, I got I can't, I can't leave out Jim Kettner. You're right. Hundred percent. Um, yeah, Jim Kettner was the man. He was uh, you know, he was um hold on one sec. What happened? Okay. Yeah, no, Jim Kettner was the man. He um he was the one that you know really polished us up. We met him. Um Kevin uh Kevin Kelly from WWF reached out to us. He told us to get down there with Jim Kettner. Jim Kettner polished us up right before WWE and um ECWA. I mean, he was the one that started the Super Eight tournament, you know, really started that going. And, you know, we, we, the Haas brothers broke in the Briscoe brothers, you know, we, we started with them. So uh, we started them off and, you know, and then we went off to WWE. So good time. With Iron Mike though, just to go back to him for a second, was he as weird, you know, with some of his rituals and stuff, as everybody says with like showering and just OCD, I guess you would call it. Well, the, um, the, the wrestling school didn't have a shower, so that you don't have to worry about oh. and um <laughs> and it, it really didn't have much heat at all it was very cold i mean it was an old i mean we were talking about it it was, it was before they refurbished or re you know re they went in and um this before they redid all of asbury park so it was really you know it was asbury park everyone knows about new jersey was the big thing back then in the 40s and 50s you know now it's known for the stone pony and a lot of like you know bruce springsteen and bon jovi or skid really a lot of them broke cut their teeth down there um, but, um, Southside Johnny, but you know, um, it was, it was really worn down and run down. And this is like, um, 96, 97, it would really run down. Um, you know, I don't know what was going on. It was just like, no one was putting money into it to fix up the town. And so, um, the, there was no air conditioning. There was no heat in this place. Uh, you know, there was some windows were broken. So birds would come in, pigeons would fly in, you know? Um, you know, the, 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 you know, pigeon shit in the ring and all that. It was, um, you know, you had to really, I mean, you had to really want to do it, you know, and 
Iron Mike, he was able to keep it afloat. It was cheap rent and uh, people came to him. And like, so like I, I met like Mike Nova, Bucci from there, um, Supernova, um, Ace Darling, Devin Storm, Reckless Youth. Um, let's see. Um, oh man, there was a bunch of them that came from there. I can't remember their names and I apologize if I can't. Um, but, uh, you know, Mike Keener, um, just a lot of guys came down there um, that came from my Iron Mike. So it was all from that, like, that Braille area um, uh, down by, you know, Braille, New Jersey, or, you know, down anywhere down like that South Jersey area. You know, they were, or, you know, around Asbury Park or below Belmar, Point Pleasant, you know. But uh, a lot of them would also bounce over at Manasquan and the Osprey and the Manasquan. So, you know, um, who else just came down there from uh, – Man, really, uh, Balls Mahoney, you know, he was from around that area as well. So, um, you know, so, you know, Iron Mike and Asbury, you know, he had, a, he had a good school. People would stop in and work, you know, come in and out. So I feel like he is one of those guys that always kind of gets almost forgotten. You know, Canada's greatest athlete comes to WF. He's kind of an enhancement guy, but he had a great relationship with them for years and wrestled for them for years. So I don't know, almost uh, underappreciated Iron Mike. Yeah. I mean, and you got to remember his, um, his dad and uncle, you know, I think, I don't know if the records are broken, but they held the record for the longest time for like the like 17 or 18 time world tag team champions. You know, it was, uh, he was Mike Sharp senior and I can't remember his brother's name, but you know, they, they were really, what's that? Was it Ben Sharp? I'm trying to remember what his the brother's name was. I don't remember. I, I can't remember it. Um, but you know, that was prior to iron Mike, so probably more like fifties and sixties, but yep. yeah, they held the titles for a long time. And, uh, no, not Mike. He was people don't understand. He was a big guy, like a big, large human, like six five, three hundred pounds. Like always worked out, in shape, you know. And then they, you know, Andre the Giant was the one that gave him the gimmick where they they cut off um, one of Andre's old boots and they put that that thing on his forearm that you know they laced up the uh, you know the the neck of the boot around his arm and then and he would use that. Oh, I injured my arm. It's it's a, it's a pad. They would use that to you know knock people out or they load it up and. St- stuff you know and he, had, he had that run with doing that with uh captain blue albano as well was his manager so did he help you get noticed by wb like how did you guys actually get noticed when you do um, get developmental man he iron mike was funny i was like iron mike he let it, he graduated and we're like oh, how do we get booked with wwf he goes that's a great question when you find out when you find out let me know and try to get me booked <laughs> you know he's uh, i'm like well now what do we do for our matches how do we get booked he goes you, you know when you get booked find out and see if you can get me booked as well kid you know, so, uh, you know, that was, we, we had to learn the hard way, you know, um, but he was great because a lot of guys would come in, you know, when they, when they signed, when you signed with them, you'd sign a contract where when you started working, you had to give them 10% of what you made, you know, and he never did that, you know, um, he just never did. Um, I heard, you know, um, a lot of people, a lot of people, that was some part of the deal. Like once you started working, you had to pay like for the first two or three years, you had to give the guy, your, the guy 10%. Um, and our Mike was never like that. Either was Jim Kettner at all either. Um, so, but, um, you know, our Mike, no, you know, it was us just working our asses off all up and down the independence, you know, CZW, um, um, JP, PCW, Pennsylvania Championship Wrestling, um, going up to Rhode Island, uh, Providence, up in that area. Um, uh, man, working for Mike O'Brien every now and then. I think when we started working for Mike O'Brien, we started getting noticed by like Rikishi and all them. And, uh, you know, he was Michael Bryan runs, you know, that Northeast wrestling. He runs some big promotions and all that. Um, and then we were looking for, um, but then I think the, the thing that really got us noticed was working for Jim Catner at ECWA. 
when you do get noticed and you do get signed, you do the developmental, who actually signed you? Like Jim Ross or is it somebody else? No, it was, it was Jim Ross and Bruce Pritchard and uh, Jerry Briscoe. You know, Jerry Briscoe brought us to, to the attention of Jim Ross and uh, Bruce Pritchard and they brought us in for some darks and they signed us to developmental. So it was, it was, it was, uh, it was Bruce Pritchard and um, Jim Ross. So Jerry was probably scouting you guys. Oh, yes, sir. And he definitely was scouting us with uh, us being both amateur wrestlers, brothers, and being from Oklahoma. Kind of like uh, like him and him and uh, Jack, you know. Yeah, it was almost like he had to look at you guys, right? I mean, like he yeah. wanted to, you know. Yeah, he, I mean, he was he was looking for you know Kurt was real hot. They're bringing him in. Um, you know, Team Mango was originally going to be Kurt, Russ, and then Shelton and I. So it was going to be four of us. So, where do they send you down to Memphis? We were at Memphis and we got sent to Cincinnati. Uh, Russ passed away in Cincinnati. I got sent to OVW. And then from there, I went up to WWE. So, when your brother passed away, I don't want to know if you don't want to talk, but do want to talk about it. But when, when that happens, did that like almost make you want to quit the business? Did you want to not keep going no. forward? Or? No, I wanted to go forward. I wanted to finish what I didn't know what was in store. I thought I was going to get released. And then, like a month after, a month after he. He, um, a month after he died, I got, I was wrestling Hugh Morris or Bill DeMott in the ring. And he did like this baseball slide tackle that he was trying some new move and nothing. It wasn't intentional or anything, but he, I, he clipped my knee on accident and my, my tore my ACL. So I went from having the death of my brother to a month later being on the shelf for six months because of the knee injury. And I thought I was going to get fired. I mean, I remember driving and Johnny East called me and I was like, here it he goes. He's like, Hey, we're, you're sending you to OVW. You gotta be there by tomorrow. We're shutting down HWA. I'm like, dude, I was gone. I was like, all right, you know, um, you don't have to ask me twice. Uh, Jim Cornette, I think, was he felt bad for me. I think he he was really pushing for me, and um, and did he uh, Jim Cornette man, had a lot to do with uh, saving my career with WWE, and you know, and rebuilding me and helping me and teaching me how to be a babyface, how to be a singles wrestler, you know, and and I was red hot as a babyface down there. We were it rocking and rolling, and then they decided to put Shelton and I together. And start the team angle gimmick back, and which it worked. Thank God for that, and Arn Anderson. So, where were you at, like mentally? You, your brother passed away. You're by yourself. You think you're probably going to get fired. Like, where are you at mentally? Are you okay at this point? Well, dude, probably blowing out my knee was probably the best thing. It gave me six months to like grief and figure out what, who I was and what was going on. Um, you know, it's your baby brother. You find him dead. It just it sucked, man. You know, um, I, I think. Because Shelton came along and he had the same work ethic and the same, uh, you know, um, he, the same desire that I did that we just wanted to be successful. We wanted to make it. Um, he was someone that I didn't have to worry about, you know, the going, you know, that wasn't going to, that was going to no show or not show up. And I, I was the same way. I was going to be there for everything. Um, became my brother, you know, on the road and my brother, like in real life, basically, I, you know, you know, Russ passed away and moved on. And, you know, and Shelton kind of like Russ sent Shelton as a guardian angel, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, we talk every day. And, um, you know, he was the best man at my wedding and the godfather of my daughter. And I just thought I'm, I'm very grateful for him um, and that I was able to find a partner like that because when they threw us into Doug, when it made it, when it worked and they threw us into, you know, the fire, basically, I mean, it was sink or swim. I mean, you know, play on words with the fire and the water, but I mean, it was just, it was sink or swim. And did we swam? I mean, right off the bat, you're in the Guerreros, you know, you couldn't work your way up to prove yourself. Dude, you either you're going to make it or not. And we made it. And then you're wrestling Benoit and Rhino. And then you're wrestling them at WrestleMania. And you're wrestling, 
you know, Billy Gunn and Bob Holly. I mean, you're, you're, you're Ray Mysterio, Billy Kidman. I mean, you're, you're wrestling all these greats and, and you're having hell of a matches with them. You know, it just worked. And, and so a lot of it is because we had a really good partner with Shelton and he, we had the same goals and, and man, and, you know, and we had a great mentor with Arn being in the ring and teaching us how to become the world's greatest tag team, you know, so and team angle. So originally, though, Cornette is the one that kind of placed you guys together and made you guys a team? Yeah, you know, we, so we were down there, and he was doing a show. Shelton just got called up, and he was tagging with Rodney Mack um, down, you know, and, and they were doing the big blow-off matches, the chain, dog dog chain match or dog collar match. They're doing that that match, oh, blowing it off. Or, you know, Shelton was getting brought up to TV, and um, so he was leaving OBW, and that was the big match. And I was wrestling Chris Nowinski, and and – like I said, Team Angle was supposed to be S4. Jim Ross came down to watch it, and he's hanging out with, um, you know, he's hanging out backstage at OBW, the Danny Davis Arena, and um, he sees me and Shelton just sitting there talking. He goes, you guys are the same size and height, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, uh, he goes, you guys know you really well? I go, what? No, we, 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 we know each other. Yeah, I mean, we've we never been in the ring, worked with each other, or anything like that. He's like, okay. And then um, he, he saw the match with the Winsky. Um, he called Arn. Arn came in and watched me do a match with Rodney. And we, he goes, call it the ring, Haas, and uh, let me see how you guys do. Dude, we did the match. And I got to thank Rodney for this. I tell the story. Called it in the ring. As soon as we got done, Arn got up and started giving us a standing ovation. And he, told, he looked to the rest of the OBW. He goes, that is how you guys work and call it the ring. <clears throat> so a lot I have to thank Rodney Mack for that, you know, for being a good partner there. Just, to, you know, just trusting me to call it and, and listening to him as well, him calling it. And um, the next week, that Rodney Shelton and I were both on the road, all three of us, and they were alternating the tag team, seeing which would click, which dynamic, whether it be Rodney and Charlie, Rodney and Shelton, Shelton and Charlie. And um, they, they decided to go with Shelton and Charlie. And then I think Rodney started doing something with uh, Teddy Long. Um, but um, it was, uh, you know, but then once they decided to go with us and keep the team angle thing going because of the amateur background, they wanted to do, um, they, they told Arn to get us ready they gave him like six to eight months to get us ready. So we're doing dark matches and we're on the road all the time, working with him before the match, after the match, in the ring, you know, traveling with him, listening to him. And, you know, and like I said, man, it wasn't um, it wasn't for Cornette saving my career, bringing me there, you know, getting me, you know, pushing me as a baby face. But then all of a sudden, you know, seeing and bringing Jim Ross to that show, you know, just the t- right timing. And then him seeing Shelton and I there talking. Next thing you know, Arm gets brought in. And they're like, yeah, let's bring him up. And you know, then Arn's like, he told Vince, he goes, let me have him. Let me, let me, let me put the Arn Anderson touch on him, the Anderson touch. And he goes, I promise you, it'll be as good as we, we think they can be. And he was right. When a guy like Arn is with you guys, is it like before the shows you guys get together? Like, how does that work? Like, does he just get you before? So the show we, 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 we we'd get there early before the shows would start, and we'd get in the ring, and there'd be an extra person there or somebody else that's brought up for from um, the developmental, you know, that's trying to make it to that they're looking at, or there'd be an extra that they bring in and we get in the ring and arms like, okay, guys, let's work this leg. Okay. He would show him how he would show us how him and totally doing. He's like, All right, I want to see how you guys can do. And he goes, do it this way. He goes, okay, Charlie, you're more the, the arm, you know, the army. I want you to take the guy down, work the leg from the ground, you know, bring it over, tag Shelton in, but put it on the rope. Shelton wants you to come up over the top rope and I want you to land like, like your ass on top of the knee. Like, you know, just, um, so we, we started putting it together that way, like working the arms, different ways to go into the heat. Um, and, and like Arn would say, okay, this is how I want you guys to change gears. Arn would do it, and he's like, okay, let me see you do it, Charlie. Okay, let me see you do it, Sheldon. All right, this is how you tag. 
Like, so Arn would show us how to change gears, how to change speeds. And then, uh, then he would want to see us do it in our way. You know, um, he did, he worked, that's how he, he worked with Brock. Brock will tell you that, you know, Arn was a big, big fan of his and Brock and Arn had a lot to show in, showing Brock how to change gears too. And that was what he did on us. And that's, that's another thing I think heels miss. They don't know when to change gears. The, uh, everyone is so worried about the moves today. They don't worry about the work in between. The heel needs to register what the baby face did, cut him off cheap, fucking register, you know, and then sell what he did. Then look at that look in his eyes where he changes. He's like, you son of a bitch. Did you just really do that? And you just get on him and you change that fifth gear where you just beat him and make him pay for it. And then you relax and you pull yourself back to first gear and you're like, <sighs> Then you're proud of the work you did, and then you stalk the guy, and you're looking at your air again. The crowd's booing you, you know, and that's what's missing today. Man, I was watching Arn and Tully against the Steiners from God from like '92. Oh God, yeah, yeah, awesome. But the Steiners start off the match hot. They're beating up Arn and Tully for like five minutes, but the selling is crazy. The, the fans are going nuts, and of course they cheat. They cut them off, and then they you know they start working the heat and stuff. But it was yeah. just master. I was like, why don't guys do that anymore? Maybe FTR, but it's like, why don't guys do that where, where they really can sell and get the guy over? Like, I don't see that much. Shine them up. Like this is what Arn would always say, man. He's like, you got to give the guys set enough. You got to make them before you beat them. Because if you don't make them and you beat them, then who'd you beat? Nobody. You know, it's basic. That's the psychology, man. Yeah, that's very true. It's like if you beat Scrubs, who cares? If you beat the Steiners, you know, oh, you beat the Steiners. You know, it's it's great. You got to make them. You got to make the fans believe that guy has a chance. You got to make them believe, you know. You got to be a – you got to bump for the guy. You got to um, – or you got to know when to bump. You got to – you got to – you got to – you got to shine. You got to give them the crowds like – and this kid's and his son bitch is gonna, you know, has a chance, man. You know, they're behind him, you know, and then all of a sudden, bam, you cut it, you, you capitalize on what they miss, or you or you cheat to get there behind the ref's back, and then uh, you know, you work a body part, work the psychology. You know, I worked a match about a couple months ago, and it was I just worked the guy's eyes. Like, you know, and no one's ever really done it. They'll bind them ever, you know, to get away from something or to cheat to go into a to work our body part. I worked the, the eyes the whole time. Um, I told Kevin so many, he goes, no, let's do it. Every time the guy started coming up, I blind him right again. Boom. Coming up, you know, I, I, my laces across his eyes, the rope across his eyes, the turnbuckle. Um, you know, I'd grind my, you know, my, you know, finger in the eye, or, you know, or elbow or, you know, dr- you know, you know, the Eddie Guerrero body slam him, you know, he and twist, you know, the, the heel of your, the sole of your foot on his eyes. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's so basic. And, I'm, and people are like, well, you know, they're booing me. And I'm like, ah, oh, you don't know how to wrestle. And I'm like, and someone's like, why why'd you just work his eyes? I go, well, it's simple. If you can't see, you can't wrestle. So it's perfect. You know? Right. Yeah. And every time you start firing up, boom, right back. Take the eyes. Start firing them up again. Here comes the crowd. Here comes the crowd. Boom, poking the eyes. You know, they, 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 were, they were getting so pissed. They were, they were hating it. They're throwing popcorn and shit. I'm like, but it's so basic. Man. You can't see, you can't wrestle. You know, it's psychology. It's simple. With. You guys, though, and Team Angle, just going back to that, when they do make you Team Angle, what do they tell you? Like, hey, we're, we have this idea for Kurt Angle. He's going to have two great college wrestlers. They're going to come in and be with him. Or, like, how do they kind of explain Team Angle to you? Well, they, they looked at our background. They knew they knew we were amateur wrestlers. We were all in singlets. Um, they knew they had Brock and, and Shelton with the Minnesota stretching crew. They had me and Russ from Seton Hall. Um, they, uh, you know, we had so – we had we, we, we were able to, you know, there's been a lot of great amateur wrestlers that have tried the pro wrestling. They just don't, they didn't get it, you know. Um, one was like Sylvester Turquet. He only had three losses his whole college career. And that was to Kurt Angle. But 
he just couldn't figure it out. You know, somebody it's it's tough. I think what helped Shelton and I and uh, my brother a lot is that we were fans of pro wrestling growing up, big fans, and and that's why we got into amateur wrestling. We thought it was pro wrestling, but it was actually amateur wrestling. You know, we, we didn't read that part in the in the, uh, in the junior high book. You know, with the trial for sports. I know. So um, so but we stuck with it. And I think the work ethic that amateur wrestling teaches you, um, and just to take care of yourself and your balance and that mental toughness, you just fight through everything. I think that has a lot to do with, um, you know, why we were so successful. Like, you know, amateur wrestling is very hard. The practices are hard. And so we would show up, like Shelton and I, and even when my brother was like, we'd show up to wrestle and we would wrestle and practice as if it was like amateur wrestling, you know. I had to learn the move. I had to learn the technique. I had to learn how to work the arm. I had to work the different ways to go in the arm, the leg, the ribs, the back, the neck, you know, whatever, you know, I would, I had to go in a different ways. Um, I had to learn everything I could. Um, so, um, you know, so they came in and said, Hey, we want to do team angle. Um, you know, Kurt's red hot. I mean, he was fucking red hot, man. It was unbelievable. And they go, how great would it be to give him, like, guys underneath him, like a tag team, like a faction, like kind of like the varsity club, if you remember back in the day when Kevin Stone was the taskmaster. Oh, yeah. And you had Mike Rotundo, and you had, you know, um, before even Scott Steiner got there, you just had Rick, Rick Steiner, and then you had um, uh, Dr. Dr. Death. Death. Yeah. So it's kind of like, that's what they were shooting for, like a varsity club, um, which is just, just enhanced, you know. Seemed to work obviously very well because Kurt and you guys all had a very similar background. But I even like the look, all the the same color singlets. It just seemed yeah. to, and the jackets. It seemed to go together very well. Well, I mean, that's that's how it was like in amateur wrestling. They give you a warm up suit with the hoodie, you know. So, I mean, we were just doing exactly what we did in amateur wrestling, you know. So, and you're right, it was red, white, and blue for Kurt's uh, in the Olympic gold medal run. So. Do you think that Team Angle almost had too short of a run? Do you think you guys should have been? Oh, way too short. Should way too short. Like it was just bad timing. Kurt, you know, broke his neck, had to have the surgery. So we were together for a year, but only on TV together for six months, and then he got hurt. So we carried on the Team Angle thing for six months. So they came back, and then you know we, they broke us up, and we ended up with the world's greatest tag team. I, I don't know. I mean, I know Evolution was red hot on the other side, and we were doing Team Angle. It was just unfortunate with Kurt's neck. Um, you know, if he. <laughs> You know, and he when they brought him back, they wanted to bring him back as a baby face. So, you know, they should have – I thought they should have brought him back as a baby face, had this huge pop, and then we screw Brock again, and then we come back and reunite. I mean, that, that's how I would have booked it, but, you know, what do I know? Yeah, it seems like way too short of a run for you guys, especially how over everybody was. And I know Kurt's injury sucked, but you're right. They just pick up where you left off. Right. Well, they can, there's – there can only be one, one, one faction that could be on top at the time, and – you know, we were kicking ass on SmackDown, and I think the other faction knew it, you know, and they were like, shit, man. So, of course, you know, when when, when you're married to the boss's daughter, you do whatever you want, so. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Maybe not anymore, though, as far as what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's crazy what's going on. I mean, all, they released all his friends, like, you know, Lord Regal and everybody. I'm like, I just don't – I don't get it, man. I don't – I mean, because – what a great! I mean, he's done a great job with NXT. I mean, he's really turned it around. I mean, when those kids go up to WWE, the rain roster, they're over. I mean, people know who they are, and it's like, you know, we never had that. So it was we had we got we were over in OVW, but they didn't have the internet TV. They didn't treat NXT any of the developmental like an NXT. So when you were over and you got brought up, like we got brought, no one knew who Charlie House and Shelton Benjamin were. They didn't, they didn't, you know, they they would only the really diehard, you know, fans did. 
Um, but no one really knew. No, they really didn't. So NXT did such a great job. Like Bobby Roode got up and like, you know, the entrances and I'm like, dude, they knew who these people were. And it was awesome. And when they hit, when they made that roster debut, the crowd popped, they went crazy, you know? So it was like, you didn't have to spend like the, like those months and months like Shelton and I did to try to, to get it, to, to hone our crap, but also to get, you know, to, to get it to where, you know, we're ready to rock and roll. You know, it's just, uh, Triple H had a really great blueprint, a really great plan. And I don't know what's going on now. Yeah, it's crazy, especially Regal of all people. I know that was his like his good buddy, his big lieutenant. Yeah, but that just seems like wow, that was kind of a, a surprise. Like that's the guy you released at all those guys. Wow. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, because I'll tell you what, Regal has such a um, great. He's got a great knowledge of the business. Um, you know, he, he knows a lot. A lot knows how to wrestle. A lot of holes, a lot of counters, a lot of counters of the counters. Um, you know, he has that European style, and I really enjoyed learning from him and Dave Taylor and Fit Finley and mixing our amateur style with that with that style. That's what Shelton and I did, you know, and it worked for us, you know. And that's what I have to offer now is, you know, stuff that I can do as an amateur that they didn't know and they were never taught because they didn't amateur wrestle. But I can mix that European style with it, and that that, that was the style Shelton and I had. That, that's why we were so good. Who came up with world's greatest tag team? Like that that moniker for you guys. Um, well, they were trying to figure out what to call us, and um, and Arn's like, "What hell? The fucking the world's greatest tag team. They're, they're, the, they're the best in the world right now. So why not? So so proclaim world's greatest tag team. You know, pretty simple, pretty easy. Yeah, you know, and, and we get heat. People get pissed about it. You know, like you know, one team I really I really wish that we would have worked and we never did. Uh, you know, I, most respect. I mean, I worked him, but with Rico, I really wanted to work the Dudleys. And um, did we, you know, Bubba pitched a hell of an idea. It was right when uh, Road Warrior Hawk died, and we were like, he wanted to do, um, you know, they wanted to do this huge tournament for the Road Warriors and the finals where they want, you know, he pitched to have the world's greatest tag team and, you know, wrestling's greatest, wrestling's wrestling, world's greatest tag team and wrestling's greatest tag team that, that's held more titles than ever, you know. And it would have been the Dudleys versus World, uh, Sheldon and I. It, it just it didn't happen. I thought Bubba, you know, he pitched. I thought it'd be a great, great idea. It'd be a great. I think it'd be a great man. Like two tag teams, the best of it, you know, selling out. I think it'd be it would have been phenomenal. But they didn't want to go with it. I don't know why. Great idea. Who was going over though? Who who was winning that? I mean, it doesn't matter. I think who knows who would win. You know, I mean, it, I think it would have just been a great. I mean, it could have been something that could have been a great. It could lead into a great program. You know, so you know, I you know, we could have really done some great business with each other. Did they mention why they didn't want to do the Road Warriors tribute? You know, I always hear that people want to do this thing, like the like they do a Road Warrior tribute, and just never come. It never comes to fruition. You know, different promotions as well tried it. And it just it never did, you know. So I, you know, I don't I don't know why. I, I think you know, they're like, oh, we're gonna do a once a year tag team, you know. And you know, it's like they always try to do the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, and that lasts like what two WrestleManias. You never hear it again after that. I mean, it just they never stick with that over and over again. Like you know, like the Royal Rumble or the Survivor Series or WrestleMania. They just you know they never do. With you and Shelton, you guys were married to the Guerreros for a while. You guys were kind of going back and forth. And then Chavo got injured and Tajiri kind of fills in. But really, yeah. that was like a big feud. Like you said, like they kind of throw your feet to the fire. Like, you got to be good. You're going to put you in there with some really good guys. What do you think about working with Eddie and Chavo? Like, just pretty much out, out the gate. Well, we had, dude, right out of the gate, I mean, we were honored. Um, 
and there were some growing pains because man it, the first time we worked them they we were waiting for them in the locker room to meet them and to our gears on and like they're like oh they're on the other side of the arena arena they said they'll meet you in the ring when the when the when the show starts and i'm like so we really had to learn the old school way like we waited until we the first time we worked them or met them was was when the when we're in the ring and their music hits and that's it man and then it was all on the fly you know and there's a lot of growing pains but once the chemistry clicked it was like shakespeare baby it, it was magical and it was such an honor to work them and to have a great wrestlemania 19 match in a safeco field with a with them and Chris and uh, Rhino as well. Yes, good stuff. Is that somewhat gone nowadays? Like the like old school, like calling the ring. Is that completely gone? Um, I, I, I try to keep it. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know the way I call the match and the way I do it. I'm like, look, man, all right, we know the finish. Um, all right, just give me your comeback, and then I don't know what I'm gonna do to cut you off. Um, just. I go, are you comfortable? So tell me what's not hurting, what's not. And okay, they'll tell me and what I can work. And then I'll just see, you know, whatever I feel, whatever I hear the crowd on whatever reaction, then I'll just go up to that body part and stay on it. Um, Eddie taught me one time, like he, he went, he did a drop kick. Um, I hit the drop kick, roll out of the ring, and he comes up selling his elbow like he hurt his elbow. Like we all knew he heard it from the frog splash that when he made his debut and it dislocated. Comes up, he's holding his arm, he's like, oh, and we're like, oh shit, he's hurt. And, um, and then uh, he's shaking, but he's looking at me, and, that, and I knew right then, okay, we're going to work in his arm. You know, just stupid stuff like that, like, you know, that, like, oh, man, I get that, okay? Or a leapfrog, oh, grabs his leg, like, you thought, you know, you blow your knee out, you know, stuff like that, you know? It was, uh, yeah, it worked. It worked great. I, I mean, it's so, um, but, yeah, it's lost. A lot of people, man, they memorize A through Z, and if you mess up somewhere, you get lost. Like, I think the crowd is what's, what's missing today, too. They don't bring the crowd into the match. Um you know, they want to hear the holy shit or this is awesome. Like, I mean, if you bring the crowd in and get so much more as a heel, like you just, uh, and they're going to pop for the baby face, especially when you start bumping all over for them. Like, man, if you just listen to the crowd and you hear them, okay, here they come, here they come, boom, you cut, you cut that baby face off. All right, fight up, fight up, fight up, here they come, come on, again, keep coming, keep coming, boom, you cut them off. You know, you got, you know, it, you, you got to build, 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 build for that climax for that blow, so seems like Eddie, master of uh, psychology, but that's great. He's, he's kind of... No, and, you know, and Chavo, too. And Chavo, and Chavo, too. I mean, Chavo, second generation. His dad, Chavo Guerrero, senior, and uh, Hector Armando, great tag team. Um, and, you know, um, and, and Hector and Chavo, great tag team. You know, there's like four brothers, you know. And, and Eddie was the baby brother, but closer to Chavo. So, you know, you know, Chavo had a great mind for the business as well. He still does. Why did they break up you guys, you and Shelton, like the world's greatest tag team? They did the, the Raw, SmackDown, whatever, draft split. Why'd they end up splitting the team? Seemed like way too soon on splitting you guys up, too. Uh, you know, that's, that's you know, I, 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 I look at it as Vince treats the tag teams or like kind of like how, um, oh, what's it called, man? Um, how, how um, Motown treated all the, um, the Motown town groups so i mean you'd have the commodores well lionel richie's red hot let's just pull him out make Ronald lionel richie and the commodores and the jackson five let's just pull michael you know and diana the supremes let's just get diana ross out there like i just think he sees one guy that they have potential in making a champion or making money off of and they you know they break that group up even when they could no that's why i was really glad to see new day stay as long, together as long as they can because i thought they were gonna split them right away they got so good um but they didn't um I think when they saw Shelton and I do the uh, 
the vignette of APA and Shelton does really good impersonations and did the JBL impersonation. Vince thought, you know, he loves that comedy bullshit. So he, he's like, Hey, we can make something with Shelton. And, you know, and Shelton had the charisma at the time. And it was, and he, so they decided to go with him, which is fine, man. And I, and I was happy for him. I, I was sad. I thought we could go more, but then I also knew that it was at the end of the tag team run. Cause after that, I mean, we, we were the very tail end of those great tag teams of the Hardys, Edge and Christian, you know, um, the Dudleys, uh, the Guerreros, um, you know, the new age outlaws, like, you know, we got to work all those wrestlers, but they were different tag teams at the time. You know, we were able to work the Hardys, um, but then we had to work Billy Gunn and Bob Holly, which is fine. Um, then we worked, um, you know, the Guerreros, of course, Ray and Billy Kidman, you know, but, you know, but Edge and Christian, you know, were set split, you know, um, the Hardys wasn't until later on that we worked them. Um, the new age outlaws DX was already broken up. Um, so, you know, we were at the very tail end of that, um, that generation X, um, or, you know, that, 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 that era of tag team wrestling. So then they put you and Rico together. What'd you guys think, or what did you think of that team and in that pairing of you guys? You know, it, it was probably really easy for me to work him because it was just character development and it wasn't, wasn't so much about moves or really, you know, you'd lay the heat in on him. <coughs> I mean, but it was, um, it was just getting over his character and like how disgusted you were with it or that you were like appalled or however you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this or whatever. Or Rico would come out on top with some kind of um, flamboyant move. And, and that's just the way it was, you know, and the move, it was, um, it, you know, and it was easy to work, you know, it's a character that, you know, yeah, I think gorgeous George made a lot of money out of it. Um, uh, you had, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, and Rico even went down to study underneath him for a while to get that Rico, the um, stylist over. And that was Adrian street, you know, that, that he got that you know, like very similar character and, um, you know, and, you know, by that by no means. I mean, that's Rico's just playing a character. I mean, he he was a true like you know uh, detective. He was uh, a sheriff. He was a bodyguard, a personal bodyguard. Uh, he won the American Gladiators. He was a legit badass, you know. Um, but you know, a lot of people didn't think he was, but he was. He was a legit, a really nice guy too. Would give you give you a shirt off his back. Did you think like, oh, okay, I'm going into another tag team? Did you think like I got to break off into singles, or did you like the being in the tag? Well, team? you know. Um, you know, once, I mean, I was good at it. And once they put the, and they, they like, we had such a great match in the singles that the first match, he came back and, uh, and Pat Patterson's like, Hey, Haas, we're going to, um, we're putting the titles on you guys tonight. I'm like what? Like, yeah, we were laughing so hard. We thought it was great. We, we put the titles on seat and have you guys run. But we had a really good run until Rico got hurt and he was out for three months. And, and that, that was unfortunate and that, that sucked. So dropped the titles back to the Dudleys and I'm just like, you know, and then they brought him back and just it was never the same and then they let him go so um yeah it was unfortunate you know with his injury and i thought we could have gone a lot further with that tag team as well too then they release you and then they bring you back and then you're yeah. back with shelton a few years later doing world's greatest yeah. tag team what did you think about that because then then you got to work with the hardys and the highlanders and yeah cena and hbk and stuff but what did you think of like wow we're coming back and i'm doing the same thing or were you happy no, no, I, I, we, we thought we were going to come back and we we're going to get the titles and, you know, have another run because they didn't expect when they put us together the first time, they didn't expect the crowd to go nuts. And, you know, Michael, he goes, well, we weren't expecting that. I go, well, what the hell were you expecting? Like, we were one of the best tag teams ever. I think yeah. people are, I mean, what are you, a fucking idiot? You know, he, he's, look at me start on that, ca that character, man. That, that guy's, a, he's been nothing, dude, nothing, no good for me ever. But anyways, 
my, you know, Michael Hayes, like, well, we didn't expect that. I go, well, whatever, man. I guess you weren't paying attention when we were red hot with team angle. Right. Um, thank God he wasn't right for us. Um, but you know, it just, they used us to get other tag teams over to enhance. I'm like, you guys are missing the boat. You know, Sean and I were just so frustrated at the time. I mean, I was, I was really glad at the time when we did, we did get released to the ring of honor because Cornette was there, brought us back in and dude, let me tell you something. Most tag teams in Ring of Honor at the time were the best, dude. I, All Night Express, like, Kings of Wrestling, the Briscoes, um, you know, Generico, Cabana. I mean, fucking great. Like, the, the American Wolves. I mean, it was such a great time to be a wrestler there and, and to be a tag team. And thank God, you know, Cornette had, was down, brought us in because, you know, we had so much fun. It really gave us that breath of fresh air we needed. That was pretty great because – you got all these maybe not as well-known tag teams to maybe the the, the casual fans, I guess. But then you mixed you guys in there with them, and, you know, everybody gets over it. That was a great tag division. And, of course, Cornette loves great tag teams, of course. Oh, yeah. I think you're one of the best with, with the Midnight Express. Yeah, you're 100% correct, 100%. With uh, – just going back to V for a second. With, like, when they had you do the mask gimmick and the imitation gimmick, remember you were doing a lot of impersonations, the JBL one I think everybody – remembers did you yeah. like doing those gimmicks those more like comedic gimmicks the more um, um you know what entertainment it, gimmicks it was i was i was able to keep my job and that's about it man you know i was able to keep my job um i i by all means i went by all means i went in there at 100 percent to where i was going to be um honor these these icons that i'm, I'm you know impersonating i wasn't going to disrespect them and um you, you know so i did the best of my ability to honor them and uh I get a lot of people going. I remember when you did that. We remember you when you did that. You know, so I'm like, you know, so um, I, I felt I did a good job on it. You know, um, and I guess so because a lot of people remember that. Is that what I want to be remembered for? No, but you know what? Hey, man, it helped help my career stay, I guess, relevant for a little bit longer. I guess JBL liked it, right? I think he mentioned that on the on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. JBL loved it. Like, I, we did such a great job with that. I mean, he pitched to have CHL like kind of like a you know, his second or whatever, kind of like a CHL, like a, I always say kind of like a Dewey hog and boss hog, you know, but GBL being the boss hog and I being Dewey hog from uh, the Dukes of Hazards, you know, yep. like uh, JD hogs nephew. Did you think that that was going to go anywhere? Did you think like, Oh, this is just like uh you know, it is what it is. It's not going to be like a main event feud or, or what, what was your thought process at that point? Well, I thought, I thought maybe, you know, um, you know, I heard that maybe they were going to do like, um, you know, they, 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 it was starting to get over a little bit, and I heard that maybe I thought maybe it was going to work to where Santino had the belt for the longest time at the time, and uh, he'd be like, "Just give me somebody, somebody come out here, anybody." And I hit the ring as the Ultimate Warrior. That's what we were trying to push for, and yeah. then you know, you do like how uh, the Honky Tonk Man Ultimate Warrior deal, um, but that didn't come to fruition. Uh, that's what we were kind of pushing for, and I was hoping that would work. Um, I was hoping maybe for a mid card run, you know, like for the, the IC title, U S title, um, you know, but, um, I, I figured, you know, maybe, you know, to where I, I didn't know how we were going to come out of it really. You know, I was surprised it went as long as it did. So. Did you have any, any sort of relationship with Vince? I know you're saying you didn't really get along with Michael Hayes. What about you and Vince McMahon? Any sort of relationship? Did you get along? Oh yeah. I mean, Vince was very approachable. We pitched some ideas. If he, if he, like your match, he tell you if he if you can if you needed a meeting with him, he hey, what's going on? This is what I want to do. And as long as you're proactive and he saw that you were, you know, you know, he was he was in your corner. Um, you know, he just has a you know, a lot of writers writing, you know. Um, you know, I think you know, 
if it was pro wrestling and you had the wrestlers like the retired like the Kevin Sullivan's or the Arn Anderson's or the Briscoes, if you had them writing the storylines or hey, why don't we do it this way or have like say we take Rick, Ricky Steamboat and just make him the head of the baby faces and Arn Anderson, you work with the tag teams and you know and you know and this guy worked the hills, you know. I, I think that you know, I and mean, that's that's what I consider pro wrestling. When you get the sports entertainment, you get the writers that are from Hollywood that have more of a sci-fi niche or, you know, that the Hollywood writing that have written for Hollywood. I think that's sports entertainment and they don't exactly know. They can give you a whole, like two sheets, memorize this. And this is what, this is what your promo is. And make sure we got to, we want you to say it like this. And we need you to, you know, we need to have the tone here in the picture, man. If you're not, never walked in my shoes, you don't know who I am. Then don't, don't tell me how to say it. Okay. You know, and if you've never, ever, 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 ever done the, like, if you've never, ever been a, um, I was going to ask you, like, if you've never, ever been in the ring and did blood, sweat, and tears like we have, and you don't know what it feels like in the ring and be able to cut the promo, like when you watch the horsemen, like they would go 30 minutes and cut the promo or whatever the promo was, they said they would back it up with the wear wrestling. I mean, if you've never done it, then, you know, don't, don't, don't sit there and tell us how to do it, you know? And that, that's, that's where I think the sports entertainment has really gotten too, it's it's really taking the fun out of pro wrestling and it's taking pro taking the words pro wrestling out and it's sports entertainment you know it is crazy to think like even when piper came back many years ago they gave him a script it's like you can't give roddy piper and terry funk and hogan like scripts like they're they're the guys you just tell them what you want them to say and they they could say it i always found that fascinating like keep handing these guys a script that's nuts Imagine giving Jim Cornette a script. I mean, he, you think he does have it scripted, but he is off the top of his head. So is Arn Anderson. I mean, man, they are, I would love to get them together and just ride in the car and listen to them because they are so quick witted and they, they, they think off the, just off the, right off the cuff, man. They're unbelievable. I would love to hear those two just have a conversation. Gotta love it. As we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish. I'm just curious. Like, let's just say somebody out there wants to see some great Charlie Haas matches. You just go to YouTube, you yeah. know, play playlist, whatever. What's some of the right. favorite matches or favorite opponents that somebody would just go to the playlist and just type in Charlie Haas versus or Haas and well, versus? Or if they want to see the Haas brothers, you know, Haas oh, brothers on the Indies. Yeah. yeah, Haas brothers versus the Hit Squad. Haas brothers versus Loki and Brian Danielson. Um, Haas brothers versus. Uh, Man, the Soul Brothers, Haas Brothers versus the Briscoe Brothers. Um, you know, I mean, you can go on and on. And then um, Haas Brothers, you know, all you know, you can do um, the Haas Brothers dark matches, you know, we, that we did with all WWE. Or Haas Brothers and Memphis Pro, you know, with Christian York and Joey Matthews and uh, Spanky and Brian Danielson, uh, the Island Boys, Eki and Umaga, or uh, Eki and uh, Maddie um, Rosie at the time. And, I mean, there's so many different um, there. Or you, then you go to the World's Greatest Tag Team, uh, you know, Billy Kidman, um, you know, and Rey Mysterio. And then you had, you know, um, the Guerreros, of course, and then Eddie and Tajiri and Bob Holly and Billy Gunn. And, I mean, there's so many different matches. Um, and then if you want to go to Ring of Honor, I highly say go to Ring of Honor and watch it there with everything we did there. Um, and um, then if you just want to, you know, Charlie Haas, what I'm doing now with SWE on YouTube TV, go there, SWE World Class. Um, you know, then you, then I'm getting, then you go, I got my own, my own podcast. It's the Haas pod, wrestling's greatest podcast. Also, I'm at the real Charlie Haas on Instagram. Um, I, uh, the real Charlie Haas fan book page, the Haas pod fan book page. And, uh, you know, like I said, Haas pod, the Haas pod, um, YouTube channel. 
and um, you, you can catch all my matches that we're going to be doing um, that's on the hustle, the hustle paint tour that's just kicking off uh, this weekend. I'm going to be, uh, I did with prestige and relentless and, uh, you know, and a, and a bunch of others coming up. So a lot, you know, SW of course as well in Texoma pro. What, what are you covering on the uh, podcast? Um, so my podcast is amateur wrestling and pro wrestling. One week we bring in an amateur wrestler, a great coach, or one of the greats, Olympic gold medals. We talk to them because right now amateur wrestlers are getting picked up by WWE in college. They're making a lot of money. So I'm trying to bring, you know, I'm trying to bring pro wrestling and amateur wrestling where they meet and the both worlds collide. And maybe if WWE has their sights on somebody, I can, I can introduce or showcase them, or maybe they don't know about going to the WWE. They just think about fighting and maybe like, Hey, maybe this is a different option for me, you know, um, both for both men or women. So it's a great time to be an amateur wrestler and a pro wrestler. And, and that's in the one week I had the pro wrestling, you know, I might, Matt Cardona is coming up, getting ready to be on there. Uh, Kevin Sullivan, um, you know, I got Mick Foley. He's, he's giving me the okay. He wants to come do it. So, you know, with my connections in both worlds, you know, it's, it's, that's what, um, that's what my podcast is all about. Something a little bit different. Nice. And, uh, obviously WB scooped up Gable Stevenson faster than yeah. I think I've ever yeah. scooped somebody up yeah. before. So they liked him obviously. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's a Minnesota guy from you know, Shelton and Shelton and Brock's school. Nice. Anything else you got going on that you want to plug anything you got no. coming up on the horizon? Oh yeah, I think I got my T-shirts at Pro Wrestling Tees. Check them out. Um, it's uh, Charlie Haas is not dead, and the uh, Haas of Pain. You know, welcome to the Haas of Pain. And my school will be opening up here uh, beginning of March. It'll be uh, the Haas of Pain, uh, you know, hostile wrestling. So I'm looking forward to it. Are you going to be the only yeah. trainer, or have you got other guys with you? Uh, no, it, it'll be me, and I'll be there hands on, and uh, and and we'll run Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and I will. Um, but I'll, I'll probably bring somebody else in, definitely. Um, you know. Uh, to help me out. Um, I'll be wrestling on the weekend. So. All right. Awesome. Charlie, thank you so much for all the time. Really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks, John. I appreciate it, buddy. Have a great uh, night, man. Stay warm up there in New Jersey. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>